Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Now You Know podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Vega. God bless you. This is Pastor Mark Vega, and this is another episode of Now You Know. And I want to present to you today, I am accompanied by my great friend, my confidant. She's been my ride or die for the last 30 years. We've been married 27 of those years. And I'm talking about none other than the amazing Lisa Vega, mother, wife, entrepreneur, minister of the gospel, powerful teacher. But what I love the most about you, babe, is how you have devoted your life, your energy, your giftings to the Lord. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. We're going to be talking about ambition. We're going to be talking about the detriments of ambition, what the Bible says about ambition. I do want to cover a couple of verses of scripture. I want to make it as practical as I can. And I've invited Pastor Lisa to be on this podcast with me because we were talking the other day and we were going for a morning walk. We were talking about how God has blessed us abundantly throughout the the years. And of course, everything is because of his grace and infinite mercy. We're undeserving of it. But He's kept us from ambition. He's kept our hearts from ambition. And and so, babe, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that. And I know I know that we, we've conversed about different areas in our lives where ambition came knocking on our door and the Lord kept us through his grace. We at one time lived on a 900-square-foot house. Rat infested. It was there was a massive cactus plant, yeah. uncontrollable cactus plant in the front yard. But we were so grateful. We had a grapefruit tree connected to the house that was a haven for rats. And we would you know, I killed seventeen rats. And yeah, this might be that. this might be TMI. <laughs> but we had roaches between the walls and we just knew that God had um, given us that home so that we could make it better, so that we could beautify it, which was mostly your doing. But simultaneous to that, we had friends who were who were millionaires, and you know, one was a premier pitcher for the New York Yankees who would stay in our house, in that same house, whenever they played the Tampa Rays, he'd stay in our pull-up, in our pull-out couch. And his wife would stay, and we'd, we'd have a great evening, a great time. He was making millions, and I was maybe clearing $300 a month every two weeks. That's correct. You were in school, mm-hmm. and they'd oftentimes say, hey, come to our house and or come and see what we're building, 15,000-square-foot home. And it was in those moments where we we really kept our hearts from ambition. So I want to I just start there. I want to make it as practical as possible. 
It's not that we're name dropping or anything like that, but I think life is a collage of opportunities that God gives us and and lessons that if we adhere to the Spirit's voice, we can really take those lessons and build, build a legacy, build a generation, build foundational principles upon those lessons if we're really listening to what God is saying, because I believe that God and His Spirit are always speaking. So let's, do you remember that? Do you remember any of that stuff? <laughs> How can I forget? Of course I remember. And really, as you are describing what it was like for us uh, when we first rented and then bought our, our first home, as you stated, it wasn't in the best conditions. It was very small and we experienced a lot of challenges there, but as you were describing it, I was just reminded of the fact that despite the conditions and the challenges, we never complained and we were always content Right. because we understood that that place was a gift from the Lord. Right. And because the Lord had given us that place, we just decided we were going to make the best of it, understanding that that was our season. And we were going to enjoy what the Lord gave us. So I'm still grateful for the opportunity he gave us then. And and I'm grateful for where we're at today. But I don't want to forget where the Lord has taken us throughout the years. That's good. Because it's been him all along. So that's good. Grateful that's good. to the Lord. That's good. And I think that's extremely important. Wherever we're at, we need to learn to be content. Because when we're not content, that's... That's when we desire more. And I know that although it was challenging, but we never found ourselves in a place where, as you stated, when we saw the Lord blessing others, those that were around us and closest to us, we didn't look at that as, well, why why not me? Why right. am I in the right. condition I'm in? Right. Why am I in the place that I'm in? Right. And why can't I have what they have? Right. <clears throat> that never crossed our minds because we understood that was what the Lord was blessing them with, and we were blessed with what the Lord had given us, and that for me is being content. But I, I remember, babe, I remember we'd happily, well, I mean, we'd celebrate victories with not just not just that couple, but other couples. We'd celebrate their victories. We'd celebrate their their wins. We'd rejoice with them. We'd pray for them. We'd, you know, we would oftentimes just thank God for what we had. We were so grateful. And I'm going to be honest with you. One of the concerns that I have today is I don't hear people talking about the struggles in their lives. It's almost dismissed. And it's dismissed almost as if it's it were something negative or during a neophyte season. There's no way I can share that. There's no way I can I can disclose this. There's no way I can disclose that because it'll hurt my image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll hurt my appeal. Mm-hmm. Again, deem it as embarrassing and embarrassing. Again, I I see people that. Ignite School of Ministry, we, we, we launched Ignite in 2006, and to the glory of, of God, 
we've seen over 1,500 people graduate. Many of those couples, many of those students became couples. They became husband, wives. They be, they're successful family. Is. I don't hear, I don't hear, I don't hear, I don't see sometimes the gratitude. And I don't know if that sounds self-serving, but not that anybody owes me anything or you anything, but it's it's a telltale sign of ambition when you forget mm. your I don't stop talking about my my spiritual father. Mm-hmm. I don't stop talking about you don't stop Dave celebrating Tavner. him. I don't stop celebrating him. Raymond Carrion has been my spiritual father since the age of twenty two. And we just celebrated his 70th birthday. And we drove two hours there and two hours back. I was drove in two days there and two days back because we believe in honor. So I, I don't want whoever's listening to this, I don't want you to say, oh, you, uh, Pastor Mark it, it just wants to be honored. No, God honors me. I'm already honored by God. I'm impressed. God is impressed by me. He's impressed. He loves me. I am I am fixated on the fact that I'm secure in him, I'm significant in him, and I'm accepted in him. I don't need that for man. But if you are not, if you're listening to this and you are embarrassed of 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 telling people your story. Where you came from. Man, there's an issue there. And what you went through. There's an issue there. Yeah, I agree. And I see that. I see that often. I see that in different venues. It's I almost see. like it's a chapter of their lives they'd rather erase. They'd rather erase. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that that's the ministry where it formed them, it made them. It. I was counting couples. I was counting couples that have met through the school of ministry. And I stopped at 30. 30. Uh. That's, a lot, that's a lot of couples. And I'm sure it's not all of them. There's some that we don't know, right? But we continue to do what we do because we love God. And I just want you to know if you're out there, if you're listening, God is not ashamed of the inception point. And he's not, and he's not, he's not, he is not concerned. He's really not concerned about anything more than the condition of your heart. So let me say it this way. Ambition is a monster that gravitates to many ministers. And I think reason being is because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are deceitful. I have an Instagram account. I can't stop celebrating people. I don't stop celebrating people, clapping for people, honoring people, commenting on people's things. I don't need you to do that for me. I'm just saying this is the beauty of, right, of telling someone else's story, right? I want to be the guy that's in the room when opportunity is surrounding me and I mention somebody else's name, not my own name. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want them to ever know about it. Right, George Steinbrenner always said this with the Yankees. He said, if more than one person knows your good deed, you did it for the wrong reason. Mm. <clears throat> so we have to we have to know that our hearts are deceitful. Go ahead, Lisa. No, I agree. The Bible teaches us that. 
that deceitful is the heart of man who can understand it. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. <laughs> Do nothing. That means we can't make not one allowance for ourselves. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what it is. We could, we could consider ourselves to be individuals who are not ambitious, yet there could be just that one occasion that draws our attention and draws us in and creates a desire in us for something in particular for ourselves that's going to benefit us. And the moment we do that, then we've disobeyed the word of the Lord. How? Because it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That means not even once. Wow. That means everything that we do cannot come from a place of selfish ambition. So this is Paul talking to the Philippians, right? And he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So can I, can I add something to that? Mm -hmm. I, I have a habit of doing this every time I read a scripture, and I like to kind of break down the terminology. So it's saying do nothing out of selfish ambition. It doesn't say do nothing out of ambition. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Wow. So what I understand from that is then you can be ambitious about something as long as it's not selfish. Right. And as the, the scripture continues to say, but to do for others, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Then what I understand from, from that scripture, again, is I can be ambitious as long as it's not selfish, meaning I'm going to prioritize everybody else. Wow. And I'm going to be ambitious about seeing the success of someone else and not my success wow. or something that I want for myself. But I'll be ambitious, I'll go full force, because I'm doing it for somebody else, because I'm considering them better than myself. That's amazing. That's amazing because we're living in, in times where it's countercultural. That right. is countercultural. Absolutely. We are loaded, fixated, fascinated, obsessed. We are madly in love with ourselves. Mm-hmm to such a degree that we don't want to share the spotlight or opportunity mm -mm. with anyone else until we get our fair share. That's right. That's and right. that's and, and that he's saying do nothing out of out of, out of selfish ambition or vacancy consider consider others better than yourselves. What is what in the world is he saying? Consider others better than yourselves what he's saying is what he's saying is serve serve others love others yeah but our problem is it says consider others better than ourselves but we're we're too busy trying to be better than everybody else right. yet the bible is telling us no you need to consider others better than yourself That's right. but many of us are spending a lifetime trying to be better than everybody else. So let's break that down, right? So 
if I if I want to consider someone better, the first question I'm going to ask is how can I serve this person? How can I ease your load? How can I simplify your life? Simplify your life. Because if you're just simplifying my life, that's usury. And not just simplifying your life, but how can I help you achieve your goals rather than me achieve my goals? That's right. What can I do to help you excel? What can I do to help you achieve your goals and be better than me? That's right. And go further than me. We have with us, we have two of our premier leader, leaders. They're amazing. One is Nikki G, who is a graduate of Ignite School of Ministry. She is getting her real estate license, a brilliant young lady. And then we have Alex Mejia, who is an, just an icon of a, of a man, loves God, loves serving, honors, just honors. And it's amazing because they pushed so that this podcast can, because mm -hmm. my first, my goal to, my first thing is I don't want to, in Spanish, we say incomodar, no quiero incomodar a nadie. I don't want to inconvenience anyone. That's right. That I know this this podcast has to go. Pastor Mark, I'm good. We're good. We've already spoken. And I'm very careful not to leverage my relationships so that it can be self-serving. Yeah, for your gain and for your benefit. Right. And that should be a good question. That's a good start. In the last... 30 days, or this year, from January to September, have I been served more than I have served? Mm, that's a good question. It's a good question to ask yourselves. Now, now check this out. Check this out. Proverbs 25, 6. Now, whenever you read from Proverbs, you want to pay attention because it's the richest guy in the world, the more influential, the more affluential, the wisest man in the world, Solomon, good-looking guy. Here's what he said. He said, do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king. Proverbs 25, 6. He says, do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king and do not claim a place among great men. Did you hear that? Do not exalt yourself and do not claim for yourself a place amongst great men. So can you put that in plain term, now term? Yeah, I remember I remember Mariano Rivera. Mariano Mariano and I have been friends since nineteen ninety. We've had a thirty three, thirty two year relationship. God has used them to teach me humility. Because I never saw him scoff at an autograph, never saw him mistreat a fan, mm -hmm. you know. You've always said that. Subsequently, I worked 15 years for the Yankees. I, I, I became their chaplain. I, I used to travel uh, with the team. I learned. I learned. And it wasn't that he sat down and gave me lessons. I learned through his lifestyle. Yeah, you just watched him. I watched him. I watched him. And one time he, they were comparing him to Jonathan Papelbon, which was a Boston Red Sox closer who couldn't really tie Mariano's cleats. I'm sorry for all the Boston fans out there. 
but the lifetime of a of a closer lease is usually three, four, five years, maybe, maybe. A great closer, maybe eight years, nine years. Mariano was on top of his game nineteen years. And you were talking about you're talking about a goat. That's a fact. And he said they had asked him in ESPN. He had a they had an interview. It was Sunday night baseball. It was a game Yankees against Boston and they asked him, Are you the best closer in baseball? He said no. And they said no. He said no. And I'm sure you can look this up on YouTube. I remember distinctly. And I think he might have even said, I think he might have even said, no, I think there's others that, that are better than me. And I questioned him after that. He said, it's not my job to say how good I am. That's other people's job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this verse is saying. Let, your, let the clamor and the praise right, come from people. Don't you do it to gain leverage mm-hmm. and to sit with the king. I remember I was drafting, I was I was drafting my first book and in the bio I started writing all the accomplishments that I have made, you know, thus far, you know, I've done this and done that, done the other. And I just felt the spirit of God saying, if you've done all that, what do you need me for? I'm not even the, I'm not even on the bio. I'm not in your bio. <clears throat> and I just think it's so easy, so easily we can take credit for things that we've accomplished. But when you get down to the basics, you understand that it's counter-theological because we are engrafted in him. He is the vine. We are the branches. We can do nothing without Christ. Yeah, I think a lot of times, if, if, if I may, as, as that scripture says, do not exalt yourself in the king's presence, what I'm understanding from that is when we try to take the opportunity, and this is where ambition comes in and we're opportunist, is the moment we have the opportunity to be in the king's presence, we want to use that opportunity for ourselves and to exalt ourselves. Because we think that if we can be a mouthpiece for ourselves and make these declarations of everything that we've accomplished and done, we're thinking that by doing so, that's going to open up a door. Sure. Like it says... It's going to allow me to claim a place amongst great men. (laughs) And yet the Bible teaches us the contrary. That's right. The things that we do in secret, that's where the Lord is going to reward us in public. Yet we want to declare in the public where everything that we've done, thinking that that's what's going to open up the door. Yet the Bible says that was our reward. The moment we opened up our mouth to let everybody know what we've accomplished, the Bible says there was real reward. So whoever was listening at that moment and whatever opinion was formulated about you because of what you just stated, that was your reward. That's right. It ended there, whereas the exact opposite happens when we do in secret and we tell no one what we've accomplished or what we're doing for somebody else. When we keep that in secret, then the Lord says, okay, now I trust you and I can reward you in public. And this is what I'm going to do for you because you chose not to say a word Absolutely. about what you did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, do you, do you want to know what the next verse is after the verse that, that we just read about if about about not exalting yourself in the presence of the king? Yeah. Do not claim a place amongst you. You want to know what the next verse says? It's better for him to say to you, come up here. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what will happen. That's right. 
when you don't exalt yourself and you you get exalted you keep it quiet you keep it to yourself you, you do it exalted. quietly then that's when the king says that's when you're noticed yet we think that by making public declarations is what's going to cause them to notice us or making public it, videos or public Posting on social media, everything that Concert. you've accomplished, your ministry has this, accomplished, or haven't done, yet the exact opposite is true. I oftentimes ask myself the question, I was talking to someone, we, we're, we're living in a time where we don't even value them. We don't ask about mantles anymore. If I invite somebody to speak, they have to bring a mantle, verifiable mantle that is going to be beneficial for my people. Can you elaborate, if you don't mind, yeah. on, on what you mean by mantle? An anointing. Okay. They got to have an anointing. They got to have, they got to leave residue, God residue. Not their residue. No, <laughs> God residue. Okay. Character residue right i mean let's face it if if half of these guys had storefront churches they wouldn't get invited absolutely not but in the invitation this is this is how warped ministry has become even in the invitation i'm trying to leverage place at the table do you, do you understand what i'm saying even and my invitation of someone who has notoriety. Who has influence, who has a platform. Who has influence, who uh, has a platform, who has a, even in that invitation, oftentimes. There's an ulterior motive. Right. It's oftentimes me trying to leverage myself. I got it. I understood. You know what I'm saying? Because it's you even, want their platform. Yeah. We take pictures with people that, you know. If they had a storefront church, would you even want to take a picture with that person? I, I know for me, it doesn't matter. Listen, we've invited some heavy hitters to a lot of our events, right? Even the Call of Duty men's conferences. I mean, we've had some amazing speakers. We've had... Well-known artists. Well-known artists, but we've had Tony Evans. We've had John Bevere. We've had Jim Simbola. We've had A.L. Bernard. We've had Rob Parsley. We've had Israel Hewitt. We've had Noel Jones. We've had people, and not once did I ever extend an invitation hoping to get invited because God scrutinizes the heart. The heart is deceitful. I would rather bring to my church somebody who I know has the hand of God over their lives. Like you said, a mantle. Mantle, and they're going to leave a residue in that in our church, even if they are right now ministering in the realm of obscurity. Mm -hmm. They are right now chasing lions and chasing bears and clubbing as they rescue sheep. Mm -hmm. They are not in the palace. They are the David that has dung on their feet, Ignored by his father, underestimated by the prophet, hated by his brother, and hunted by his mentor. Yet, the anointing is on him to such a degree that demons flee the presence of Saul when he plays the harp. The anointing of God preceded his position in ministry, and that's powerful. So let me ask you a question, Mark. In this context, we're talking about ministry. How does that affect our man? There's a reason why Proverbs 25, 27 says, it is not same guy, same as Solomon. The reason why he says it is not good to seek one owns one's own honor, because babe, listen, I know that the narrative is different today, 
Today we pray for young people as if they're the weak ones, they're feeble, they're broken, they're hurting, they're on the verge of backsliding. I don't see a young person backsliding in the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. I see older people backslide. I see David backsliding and giving up the kingdom at 40. I see people like Samson backslide at 40. He started at 20, but he didn't backslide at 20. Backslid at 40. Demas backslid in his 60s. Mm. So I think the danger is the more senior we become, the more we are used by God, the more we know how to navigate those mantles that God has given us, right? The less we think we have to do in terms of the elementary. David would get up at midnight. The Psalms that he wrote says, at midnight I rise to give God thanks. But the night before he fell, he's getting up at 6, 7 p.m. Now he's getting up at 7 at night. It's almost as if we stop doing the elementary things, you know? And for me, the elementary things are when you're on fire for God, what is it that you do automatically? What is, right, anatomically in medicine, they will call that involuntary muscles, right? Exhale, inhale, exhale. You don't have to think, I'm going to inhale now. Now I'm going to exhale now. That's involuntary. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is involuntary. You never held a grudge. When you're on fire for God, you don't hold a grudge. You're like a child. You don't hold a grudge. You don't slander. You don't talk. You don't compete. You're not in competition. You're not hating on anybody. You're cheering for everybody. You're celebrating. You're loving. You're confident. Sensitive. You're sensitive. You're cheering. You're in everyone's corner. You're compassionate. You're empathetic. You got emotional quotient. You got an intellectual quotient. Your EQ, your IQ point. Your spiritual quotient is on point. It was awesome being here. Send us an email. If you have any questions, comment, write us. Mark at markvega.org. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for spending time with us. You've enriched our lives, and we pray that we've done the same for you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.